Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Hey, Rob. Great to be here. Good to have you. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Today, we have a special amigo in the house, Mr. Brian Madden. Uh, Brian is a commercial real estate broker for Car Healthcare Realty, which is a national commercial real estate firm that does tenant and buyer representation services for healthcare tenants and buyers. And we're going to talk about why it's important uh, for the uh, what they do as far as tenant representation and buyer representation and what that means uh, a little bit later. Uh, Brian and Carr Healthcare help hundreds of medical, dental, and veterinary and other healthcare practices to achieve the most favorable terms on their lease and purchase negotiations. And while they represent a lot of different healthcare providers, uh, a good deal of what they do is working with dentists, and certainly that's where, where we see them uh, all the time. We're going to chat with Brian today about dental office real estate, how to find it, what to look for, and other important things like that. So now, without further ado, here's Brian Madden. Welcome, amigo, and thanks for being on the show. Welcome, amigos. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, it's good, good for you to be here. Uh, so this is obviously a subject uh, that's uh, close to my heart. Um, we do a lot of uh, startup representation and lease review and negotiation in my, my law firm, and uh, we work with uh, Brian in the uh, Philadelphia market, um, uh, where he works for uh, for Car. So, Brian, if you can talk to us a little bit about uh, Car Healthcare Realty and and what their niche is in the uh, in the real estate space. So, Car is a, a double niche. Uh, we're a healthcare and tenant only uh, brokerage firm. So. We focus on, on healthcare, largely dental. Uh, that's still the standalone model, um, as opposed to a lot of these healthcare systems, um, you know, have bought up. Uh, there's not the standalone internists like there used to be. So, so a lot of our work is in the dental uh, space, and we only represent uh, the tenants or the buyers. We're not going to get involved in listings. We never work uh, with any landlords. Um, and that's important because uh, most of these brokers are going to cover both sides of the street and they'll do a landlord deal one day and they'll do a tenant deal the next day. And you're talking, you say a landlord deal one day and a tenant deal the next day. You mean the, the same landlord. They're on, they're on both sides of the, of the equation. So one day they're, they represent Joe Smith who owns this building. The next day, they're representing the tenant who's going into Joe Smith's building, correct? Correct. Yeah. I mean, right. this is like having the other the other side's attorney represent you in court, right? right. So it's uh, it's an inherently uh, preposterous proposition, as far as I'm concerned. It's uh, this dual agency. Um, yeah, it's funny too because I uh, I am uh, familiar with the real estate uh, commercial real estate world and, and have been to uh, commercial real estate continuing education seminars. And it's 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 a very clubby uh, group, you know, and, and not not that that's a bad thing, but uh, it's it's really cozy, and uh, you know the people that work together, you know, they have working relationships. They're trying to get deals done, right? I mean, 
they're not looking out for one side. They're looking out for, you know, really building those relationships, not, not necessarily their, their tenant client. That's 100% correct, yeah. Uh, like you said, things are very cozy. So, you know, we only represent the tenants. We're only going to represent buyers. Um, you know, as you alluded to, there's, there's maybe a tendency to, to round off the edges on those deals or soft shoe those deals a little bit. When you're saying round off the edges or soft shoe, it, that, I, know, I know you're talking about. Tell, tell yeah, our, our I mean, you know, maybe you're not quite as aggressive as you would be otherwise because if, if you're taking a, you know, your typical 2,000 square foot five op general dentist into 20,000 square feet, um, maybe that broker is really more concerned about keeping that landlord happy so that he can get those listings on the backside of that deal. Right. So, so potentially you're saying that they, you know, I'm not saying that everybody does this, but you know, that he would sort of sell out the tenant on this deal to make, make the guy, the, the owner happy so that, you know, he gets other business. That's him. correct. There's nine other deals to be made in that building. Right. Um, you know, so uh, there's certainly a temptation there to, to not be as aggressive as you would be otherwise. Right. Uh, and, and our model is to exclusively represent uh, the tenant or the buyer in all situations will never take a listing. And uh, like I said, we're always going to be professional and, and cordial, but we don't really care what the landlords think of us. And if the deal is not right for our client, we're going to go somewhere else. See, that's why I like working with you guys, too. I mean, you are an advocate for, for the tenant, you know, which most commercial real estate brokers <clears throat> in, in the sort of the traditional sense are not. The other thing, too, that uh, is interesting, that you are really focused on the healthcare market. And I think that's important, especially when it comes to dental. You know, when I see uh, clients that are working with commercial real estate brokers who aren't familiar with dental, and I, and I look at a, at a letter of intent or I get a first draft of a lease, I know immediately that the broker doesn't know the business because they've got, you know, maybe 30 days of time period to build out the space. With, and then after that, they start paying rent, you know, all kinds of wacky things that just don't, aren't congruent with what happens in, in the market, you know. And when I see an LOI from... From you guys, you know, it's, it's got the stuff in there that, that it needs. You know? So that, that's a, a key point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's important to, uh, you know, the build-out period, you're probably going to want five months um, of free rent just to build out. And then if we can, we always try and get free rent on the back side of that deal, especially if it's a startup to try and get cash flow positive. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. There's zoning, then there's building. you got to pull your permits. The actual hammer swinging could be, you know, 10 to 12 weeks, uh, depending on, on where you're at and, and what the situation is. Um, you're talking about trenching, plumbing, med gas lines have to get run, uh, all these things that, uh, you know, are, are germane to dental that wouldn't be um, an issue in a, in a regular pop-up store or, or retail space. Yeah, or even in my office here. You know, there's no, no way of coming <coughs> in drilling uh, holes in the walls and, and, and the floors to, to lay plumbing, right? It's, We've chosen the most complicated career us dentists, so we've done it, you know. <laughs> that's right. Nothing easy, right? So that's a typical dental way. But it's interesting to hear uh, about that because that's, I think, you know, like the, that's why dental spaces are so valuable. And I guess that's why, you know, they, you know, just keep getting new tenants when they're turned over. Because as, as a broker myself, I, it's, it's uh, rare that in a popular area, dental space is left, you know, unrented after, you know, dentist leaves or sells. For sure. And, and you know, part of my, my job is to communicate that to the landlord yeah. um, and, and, and make sure that they understand that once that space is built, you know, they have a golden goose in there that's going to continue uh, to pay on time um, and he's very unlikely to have a vacancy. So the default rate on dental nationwide is under 1%. Um, and, you know, so if, if our 
If our dental client is, is in competition for space with a Froyo or a pizza place or a restaurant that may go out of business, um, you know, our guys are going to pay on time, they're going to sign long-term leases, and they're essentially going to be a government bond for that landlord. And, and that should be reflected in not only the square footage price that they're going to pay, but also the TI allowance that they're going to get. So if you have a checkered driving history, you're going to pay more for auto insurance. And if you're accident-free for 20 years, well, that'll, you know, underwriting is going to give you a better premium. And that should, that should be the same case here. Right. And that's what we try and advocate for. That's all about education, right. too. Right. And this is, this is something that's really big, Paul, that when, you know, when we work with people, who uh, brokers who do not understand the dental space, they, don't, they can't say what Brian just said. Yeah. You, know, that's, you have to educate the landlord. Yes, dentists are great tenants, right? right? But if the landlord doesn't know that, right. you got to tell him that. you got to sell him. He's got to understand the, the statistics here and why they're a good, uh, a good tenant. Not too long ago, I had somebody who uh, the, the, the landlord didn't want the dental uh, use in the space because he was talking to a restaurant. And I'm talking about broker. I'm like, are you kidding <laughs> right, me? Yeah. You know, like the restaurant's going to be out of business in two years. You know, this dentist, as you said, Paul, dental leases just keep getting renewed over and over and again. I mean, for multiple reasons. You know, the, I was just talking to someone who wanted to, you know, maybe get involved with vesting in dental practices. And said, you know, how do you get a new dentist there? I said, it's, you know, the dentist doesn't leave until they've, you know, sold their practice because that's their biggest asset. So it's rare that they would ever just leave because they're leaving their asset behind. So it just keeps a new one every, you know, 20, 20 years in the space. So I, I think that, you know, it's important that you point, out, point that out to them. I never, I never totally thought of it from that angle before. Right. And, and I mean, and the build-out costs, uh, you know, are, are very, um, very high. You know, so it's prohibitive to just build it and then leave in five years or build right, it yeah. and leave in 10 years. So, you know, we'll, we'll try and get involved in renewals and, and we'll adjust the rents uh, at the nine-year mark to reflect the, you know, what the ambient conditions are. But realistically, you know, a lot of those dentists are going to stay in that space. And, um, you know, for, for when we're talking to landlords, and, and, and it's important that we communicate that so that they understand that we have, you know, they're going to have a long road here of, of on-time payments from a quality tenant. Yeah. And again, the, the broker's ability to educate the landlord on all this stuff only leads to good things. Right. You can't yeah. expect to get good lease terms if the, if the landlord doesn't appreciate how good right. a tenant yeah. you are, you know? Like, right. and, uh, and as I said, it's evident when, uh, when I see non-dental people that aren't, aren't doing that, that these deals come out and they're just kooky terms, you know? And that's, that's huge. I mean, the only way that, that you're gonna get that is to, is to understand the, the industry and be able to educate them. And, and that's, and any negotiation, the more, you know, the more content, the more meaningful you know, message that you have, the greater likelihood is that you're gonna prevail. Um, Brian, I'm going to talk a little bit. You, you mentioned uh, lease renewals. So um, when we're talking about lease renewals uh, for our listeners, uh, generally speaking, most dentists are going to sign a 10-year lease with, uh, and sometimes it's less, but generally I think most of what I see are 10 years. How, how about you, Brian? Yeah, for sure. 10-year uh, lease with two five-year options is, is sort of the standard um, template for, for a dental lease. Okay, so when we talk about options, what that means is that at the end of that 10 years, or as that 10-year period is, uh, is coming, uh, coming up, that you have the opportunity to renew it for an additional five years. And then if you did that, then five years later, you have the opportunity to renew it again. And, and that's in the lease. And, and I just want to kind of mention one thing that I think is important before I ask Brian something about this. But the, uh, when you have this in, in a lease, it's really important that a dentist wants to control the space as long as possible. 
So as many renewal options as you can have, you want to have that. You also want to make sure that those renewal options, there's some mechanism in the lease for how the rent will be calculated. So it's either a percentage of an increase or it might be fair market value where you would have appraisers come out and look at the space. But uh, in the last couple of months, I've seen a few leases where there's renewal language where it says, and uh, the uh, landlord and tenant are going to try to agree on what the rent is going to be during the renewal term. And, uh, and the landlord's going to tell the tenant what it is. And if the tenant doesn't like it, well, then the tenant can leave. Folks, that is not a, uh, a renewal option. You know, right. it, it's got to be something that can be exercised and automatically you've got a deal and you know what the rent is going to be. Now, what I think a lot of people don't realize, Brian, which is what I want to, you know, hear from you on, is uh, people that understand what's in their lease and they know that there are these renewals and there's a rent mechanism in there doesn't mean that that's what the rent has to be, right? No, <clears throat> of course. Yeah, th there's, um, th you know, so these, these leases will have escalators in them. Uh, sometimes it's tethered to the consumer price index, um, but generally we want to keep it at a, at a number that we can anticipate and plan around. Uh, so whether that's 2% or 3%, somewhere in that range is basically what we want, which what's, what's commercially reasonable. Um, but yeah, just because you get to the end of that term and you have the option to renew at a, at a certain number, it doesn't mean you should renew at that number because you might be well over market. I had a deal up in, in North Jersey uh, last year where the dentist had been in there for 17 years. So he had his original 10 years, then he had uh, his first renewal, and he was in the middle of a second renewal, and he was looking at trying to, to transition out and retire. And he was at 38 bucks a square foot, and there was other guys in his building paying 28. Crazy. You know, and he had no idea right. and wasn't paying attention to it. And just, you know, when it came time to renew, he renewed and sent it in, didn't think of it again. Uh, and this guy was getting killed and had no clue. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of room to be, to, to, you know, to negotiate that at that point. And, and the escalators are compounding, obviously, right? So you're talking about 3% and 3% and 3%, which is why 401ks are so great. Uh, if you start them early, but you know, it's it's uh, it works the other way in a, in a commercial lease Yeah, I mean if you get these there's three percent increases you think hey, I've been a great tenant I've been here for 20 years Landlord must like me must be giving me a good a good deal and then you find out that the new people are, yeah, uh, are Paying much much less, you know, it's really uh, It's it's offensive and a lot of people are, are shocked by that, but that's it, you know as you were saying earlier Paul you know part of the thing here is where we're dealing with you know Tenant, uh, dental leases just roll from one party to the next. That's uh, the, the, a byproduct of that is that these escalators just keep escalating to the point where you go well above above market. Whoa. I'm just curious because it's interesting to be listening as a dentist and an owner. If they're if the listeners were out there and they just are in the middle of a lease, do can they engage people like you two to look at their lease and see when the next time it renews they would could make adjustments or is that more of an attorney uh, advocate thing or it's really both you know I tell my clients you know, like look you know you're gonna sign this lease for 10 years with these renewal terms but when you get towards the end of that 10 years call Brian back and say hey you know I'm sure Brian probably tracks this anyway yeah. he tells him but <laughs> right. you know it's yeah. time to renew this lease you know uh, am I paying the right rent you know and, and that's a great point <clears throat> I think there's a lot of dentists out there who are totally unsure like the Dennis, you just described. Well, sure. And, and the thing, how would you know? You yeah. know, um, there's, uh, there's subscription services called CoStar, and there's others out there that'll give you 
sort of a, a macro view of what's going on in your neighborhood, in your town, uh, in your city, and what the costs should be, what the asks are in other places, so that you can kind of get a valuation that's, that's reasonable. Um, but if you're, you know, and, and talking, doing deals in that same town and talking to landlord brokers in that town, so you, you, there's a, a cadence and a camber to all of this. And uh, if you're just renting space and, and doing dentistry, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that and you, you couldn't know that. So yeah. usually about a year out is when we like to take a look at those, maybe a little before, um, try and get an idea of, of where things stand and start talking to the, uh, to the landlord about a renewal. Because if, you, you know, if it's a month before, you know, there's no leverage there. You're not gonna, gotcha. you're not gonna be able to build out uh, and get into another space. There's gonna be significant business interruption if you're gonna try gotcha. to do that. So we like to do it about a year out so that we, if, if it turns out the landlord is unreasonable, well then we can, we do have a viable uh, option to move cool. out. You know? yeah, if you wait too long, you don't have real leverage. Yeah. If, if, it's, if it's three months before the landlord knows that, hey, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Good luck, you know, we, we've got you stuck. But, you know, we're talking about real dollars here. You know, if you're talking about a 3,000 square foot office where people are paying 10 bucks a square foot too much in the, uh, yeah. as far as rent, that's $30,000 a year. Yeah. A five-year renewal, we're talking about $150,000, yeah, yeah, you know, that you just left on the table. Right. You know? Just and, left on the table. And, um, and the other thing, too, that where that starts to impact you, too, and we see this when we're doing transitions. You look at a lease... And then all of a sudden, it's like if you're buying somebody's practice and they're paying 38 bucks a square foot, everybody else is paying 28. Guess what? The buyer's not too thrilled about uh, yeah. that either. You know, and that's your world, Paul. Yeah, yeah right? no, I can see that. It's, it's, it's eye-opening to me, and that's why I think getting the right. As we talk about a lot in this podcast, and uh, you know, demystifying the business of dentistry, it's important just to have the right people on your team to help you look at these things. As a dentist, it's just overwhelming to have to do so many different things at the same time, and you know, it's easy to just kind of ignore some of it just because you just have so much going on, especially during a transition time where there's a startup or an acquisition. So. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to just assume that whatever, you know, it could have been that the lease that he's inheriting or, or the buying doc's inheriting was poorly negotiated or not negotiated. Right. Um, you know, and, and sometimes people will talk to other tenants in the same building, and it could be that they had a, their, their credit profile wasn't as good as a dentist or that right. they also had an unnegotiated lease, you know, so... The fact that a neighbor or uh, another tenant in the center is paying X does not in any way impact what you should be paying as a dentist with an excellent credit profile. So, That's a good point. Um, you know, it just, each case is individual and it just needs to be looked at and, and get squared away. Perfect. Yeah, I think one of the things too, you're talking about doing things on your own. This is, this is one of the things that always surprises me and, you know, uh, uh, when he hear your, your thoughts. I know what your thoughts are going to be, Brian, but, you know, uh, where I have, sometimes I have clients that'll call me and they'll say, hey, you know, I've got this, uh, found this space. Uh, it's really, uh, it's great. I love it. Uh, we have an LOI and I say, okay, that's great. Send it over. Um, who's your broker? Oh, I, I didn't use a broker. How'd you find the space? I drove by, I called the phone number on the sign and, uh, uh, so you're working with the landlord's broker directly? Yes, yes. And I think I've negotiated a deal, you know, that's pretty good, I think. Well, you know, based on what? Well, they have no information about what the comparable rents are. Yeah, maybe they took a dollar off the asking rent. Uh, and uh, so, <laughs> Brian, is it a good idea for somebody to call the name and number on the sign when they're driving by the space that they like? No. <laughs> <laughs> <Good answer. laughs> 
So, I mean, it, you know, this, you is, said that, Brian. this is not a DIY project, right? If you want to do your tile backsplash in, in your bathroom by yourself, have at it. Yeah, but, I mean, as, as Paul said before, I mean, your Home Depot will allow you yeah, to right, just ruin yeah, your yeah, house. Yeah, right, yeah, right exactly. Right. It's a joke everyone can be. It's great. Mess up your house yourself, right? So yeah. it's like, you know. I mean, these ads. Don't mess up your, your, your yeah, professional yeah, right, office, yes, your exactly, livelihood, right? Your right, right. 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 Yeah. I mean, you know, I was in litigation. I'm an attorney by training. And um, so I was in, in litigation for years and years. So, you know, a lot, the, the plaintiff's first demand is not what the insurance company is going to pay. Right. Um, so it's, it's the same kind of concept here. So they'll have an, an ask rent that is advertised. And sometimes within one phone call from a tenant broker, that will come down significantly. Because uh, they'll know that you have access to the market, you have access to comp properties, you have a professional who does this, who's done deals in that market, who knows other landlord brokers, and, and knows what you really should be paying. If you're a dentist who's just calling up and saying, hey, I'm really interested in this space, you know, I drove past it, I've been watching it, uh, I see the ask is 35, and they say, doctor, for you, we'll do 33, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but really, like you. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just met you five minutes ago. You know, when, when a tenant broker calls, it's 30 or 27 or, you know. Um, so it, it, it's the same kind of concept. Um, yeah, if you call uh, the number on the sign, that's a landlord's broker who's got a fiduciary duty to his client and he has a listing agreement with that landlord and his idea of market rent is the most that he can get you to pay. So... Um, yeah, that's that's not a good idea. This, like we talked about before, I mean, this is literally like having the other side's lawyer represent you in court. Gotcha. It's just uh, it's it's dual representation. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. right. It's, it's, it exists in the broker world, and it's also preposterous. So yeah, it's a practice broker world. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone says you can't serve two masters. It's the same kind of concept. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. And I forgot to say at the outset that Brian is a lawyer. Maybe that's why I like him so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get along well. <laughs> Brian understands me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so when people do that, I think a lot of times they think they're saving money by doing that. Right. You know, that they're going to somehow, you know, there's not going to be as much of a commission and somehow they'll, the, the, the savings that the landlord's going to, to get is going to be passed along in the, in the, in the rent. But, you know, speak to that if, if you could, Brian. Right. So, so the listing agreement will account for the broker's commission uh, irrespective of whether there's tenant representation or not. It's the same in the residential context. So the seller is always going to pay the commissions. So if, if, the, if the seller's broker can get a cat in the bag, so to speak, without representation, then he gets to keep the whole commission. If there's tenant rep, then that commission is going to be shared. Uh, it's just, so either way, it's never going to cost the doctor a dollar. Um, but it's, it's going to cost them a lot if they try and do it right. themselves. Because I have an example in South Jer- I had a deal in South Jersey last year, where the doctor was about to sign for twenty eight bucks a square foot, and uh, one of the bankers who was involved in the deal uh, told him that he should give us a call and just check it out, you know. And we got that deal down to twenty two bucks a square foot, yeah. thirty five in TI, and nine months of free rent. How much TI was on the table initially? Zero. Crazy. What, what was Zero. it? How do you describe the TI? I was just interested when you were you were. The tenant, the TI is a tenant improvement. Yeah, I know that right. part, but you, what was the number that? Zero. Yeah. So zero, what'd you get it up to? 35. What's that? And just because I'm just like kind of big, what's that mean? $35 per square foot? Correct. Yeah. $35 okay. per square foot would be what the, the landlord is willing to give you to help build the space. At a one time, one time, one moment in time, they give you this to do whatever you would like to the space. Yeah. Each deal is different. Some landlords will, will give you checks. Some landlords will pay your contractor directly. Um, sometimes they'll wait till the whole thing's done. It's, it's preferable to get progress payments if you can, so they don't have to eat up your loan. 
But um, yeah, I mean, we saved this guy close to three hundred thousand dollars. Wow, and that's all. Uh, you know, that's over ten years, of course. Yeah. But you know, we and we didn't do anything special. We didn't pull a rabbit out of a hat or, or you know leap over a building. All we did yeah. was put him back to where he should have been in the market to reflect his credit profile. He owes that banker. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does yeah, yeah. owe that banker. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you know what to ask. You know, you, it's, that's it. If you have the information, you know what the comps are, you know what's reasonable to ask for, you can get it. Yeah. I mean, especially, um, you know, that's when you have your, the most leverage, too. And we've talked about this before. Uh, when you're putting together an LOI, if you can get assignability language that's favorable and relocation clauses and exclusivity, you know, if you get it at the LOI stage, it's better than fighting for it sometimes at the legal stage. Oh, for sure. Um, so that, that's, that's essentially what happened. I mean, he had reached out to this broker, and um, the broker really thought he had a fish on the hook here. Yeah. And, uh, and then we got involved, and, and you know, it, it, he wasn't happy to see us, that's for sure, but it wasn't adversarial. I mean, he knew what was going on, and he was happy to get a deal done, and so was the landlord. So it worked out. I mean, owners definitely have, there's a different deal for the guy that shows up unrepresented. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. You just don't, you just don't uh, you're not seeing the market. And there's no transparency. There's no way to get that sorted out. So just because you guys do this all the time, it's interesting. So this is the way this usually happens. Unrepresented, there's a dentist who just thinks they want to start up a practice in this space, and they're driving around, and they just connect with a broker, the landlord's broker, and they say, "Hey, I want to do my dental office here," and that's how they just start going down a path, unrepresented, 100%. the whole time. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, a lot of these landlords, uh, brokers, and, and you know, they're not bad guys. They're doing their job. Um, but you know, they'll say, "Hey, doc, we're going to get you a great deal. We'll get you a great space. We're, you know, we're happy to have you here. The landlord welcomes your use." But um, you know, like we said, I mean, their their duty is to the landlord, right? So um, they're not going to undercut themselves for no reason. They're not going to bid against themselves for no reason. So they have a, a, a dentist that they know is interested. And they're going to try and get that deal to the finish line. I mean, some of these uh, docs don't know that TI is even a possibility. Right. You know, Again, uh, TI, tenant improvement yeah. allowance is what we're talking about, the where tenant, the landlord's yeah. paying money to reimburse you for construction in your office. Correct, right. right. Um, you know, the prices on, on, in Philly area are, are 100 bucks to 120 usually for the suburbs. It's a little bit more in the city, and um, that's a lot of money. You know, yeah. if you're looking at two or 3,000 square feet, that's going to eat up a big part of your practice loan. So, well, we have people that listen from around the country, and in, in, in Washington State, you know, you're looking at you know, easily 250 bucks a square foot. Yeah, we've seen that and more. DC's through the roof. Boston's expensive. Yep. Yeah, really, yep. and so these these start to become real numbers. Yeah, yeah, and the landlords know that, and they expect to pay a, a tenant improvement allowance, especially um, for a cost-intensive use like dental. You are a real amigo, Brian, because it, it, you're, it's even better than the dual, the dual broker transitions world. The other person is a, is a dentist, and this way you're really just protecting the buying dentist or the startup dentist from a landlord. So it's a, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, you know, like with the deal in South Jersey, I really felt like that was an added benefit. You know, that was yeah, a true for value sure. for him. Um, my father's an internist. My brother's a radiologist. My mom... Most of my aunts are, are nurses. I have an uncle who's a surgeon, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy to help. You know, I grew up in a dental, yeah, uh, in great. a medical kind of background, so um, it feels good to be able to help healthcare. What did people. he say at the end? Like, did you just did he acknowledge his being naive or just not, you know? Yeah, he couldn't believe yeah. it. I mean, he, uh, you know, he just had no idea that some of these um, concessions were even available. Uh, let alone, you know, it could be a reality. So I love saying this because it was part of our podcast. You know, it's, we we, we kind of note like. 
things they didn't teach you in dental school but should have. And like this would have been a perfect one, right? But yeah. in dental school it would have been, you know, a boring thing to learn. But now as our listeners go through their dental career, it's not boring at all because it's a three hundred thousand dollar savings where I've yet to have the Krebs cycle save me any money. So <laughs> right. you know, it's gonna happen one day. One day the patient I'm only paying if you know the Krebs cycle. I'm like, today's the day. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah. It's uh it's really great. Yeah, I had a similar experience in the past year, too, where a client came to me with an LOI and a draft lease and with no TI. And we ended up, I got 35 bucks a square foot of TI for him. But for me, the difficult situation, normally I'm not able to do that because even though, and this is something I think it's important for people to understand, and you mentioned this a few minutes ago, Brian, the, the LOI, the letter of intent, or sometimes it's a lease proposal, different things. This is sort of the, the, the document that, that sets forth the business terms. It's going to say it's non-binding, right? So it's not a contract. So you haven't signed a lease, and you know it's not binding on the landlord. It's not binding on the tenant. And a lot of times, brokers will say, and, and this comes up in both the, yeah. the transition broker world and the real estate broker world, oh, don't worry, it's not binding. You know, we'll deal with that when we get to the lease. Yeah, BS. Let me yeah. tell you, whatever, whenever there's something that is in an LOI or not in there that is a material term, and and then it gets the lease, and I say, hey, we want to get this, or we want to take this out, that LOI gets paraded around like yeah, it's the yeah. Ten Commandments. <laughs> yeah, Wasn't in the LOI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And meanwhile, the client, the dentist, is saying, somebody told me that thing's not binding. Yeah, yeah. guess what? Putting the genie back in the bottle yeah, after, exactly. after it's been agreed upon in the LOI, next to impossible for me at the, yeah. at the lease negotiations. I believe, yeah. I mean, that's when things are down the tracks and, and people started getting excited and it's already, you know, the landlord knows that the dentist is starting to plan his office. Um, so if you can, the most you can get in, in the LOI is the better because it just, uh, it makes things easier later. Well, it makes it easier for us too from the lease negotiation standpoint. Again, you're right, Brian, the, the, the most leverage is at that point in time. The business people are involved, they're trying to make a deal. By the time it gets to the, uh, to the lease stage, the tenant's leverage, which little leverage the tenant yeah, has, right. has now just gone down precipitously. You know, like, and uh, not only do they not have leverage, I think whatever the opposite of leverage is, right, like yeah. they have no, you yeah. know, they're, they're, they're behind the eight ball, I guess, right? When you don't have leverage. Right. So, you know, good luck trying to renegotiate those terms. And then you become the, the person that's trying to backtrack. You're like, oh, well, he agreed on it. Yeah, right. Now he's backing out on it, you know? And, and that's, that's never perceived well. Right, right. Yeah, but we both have three-year-olds, Brian, and I use this a lot because you, you wouldn't give your three-year-old an LOI that you might be getting ice cream later because <laughs> every five minutes, you, you can't say, hey, it's a non-binding ice cream situation here Correct. because it, no one's happy. You're not happy, right? So that's the whole point. They're not happy, right? So even if you could, you could tell your three-year-old it was non-binding, they don't have any money, right? You know, they're not happy with you. So I think it's a perfect example of this. You can't unhear that stuff, right? Yeah. So it's like a hundred percent. You know, that's like a great way to say. You know, like I never, I never accidentally say that to Daphne in front of her because then it's every five minutes we get an ice cream or not. You're so right, right. Yeah, and that'll filter up to no the six-year-old right? neighbor. Yeah, yeah. I got three Indians yeah, on the work. Three, path, yeah, that's, you know? that's a, <laughs> Daphne's never gonna let you off the hook. Yeah, yeah, no, she won't. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um, so let's just talk a little bit about the. Uh, the process now, Brian. I mean, you, we talked about the fact that you, you know, don't just call the the number on the uh, on the sign out front when you're driving around. But you know, if you're working with a client, you know, take us through kind of what the process is for finding a space, and, and then what happens next, and, and you know, basically from from start to finish, the big the big points. Sure. Yeah. Um, briefly, you know, so we'll we'll meet with the the dentist and and figure out exactly. 
um, what the timelines, you know, what the horizons look like for when they want to be open, what the budget is, what's important to them, what the geography is, um, make sure that they have their financing lined up as the landlords are going to want an approval letter, two to three years of tax returns, they're going to want a personal financial statement uh, to ensure that they're creditworthy. And, and, you know, the better financial profile you have, the more TI that the landlord is willing to make as well, because you're a risk to, the, to these guys. So. They don't know if you're going to default or if you've got problems. So, you know, if you have a strong financial profile, um, you're more likely to get better terms because um, you're a lower risk. So we will uh, determine all of these things. A lot of times the dentists have already run a report through Dentographics or uh, EOS Healthcare or McDonald or one of these guys. So they'll figure out exactly where, where they want to be. And then we go fetch. So we'll go out and uh, look at all the available properties. We'll check CoStar. We'll drive the areas. We'll call. CoStar, again, that's, that's telling you what, what things cost in the area and what, what the rents, the relative rent, rental rates are. Correct, yeah. CoStar is a, a subscription service that will give you um, ambient rental rates, availability, uh, all those things. It's kind of like an MLS for commercial real estate. That's exactly what yeah, it is. Right. That's, exactly, that's a great way to put it. Um, you know, we've developed relationship with landlord brokers so that sometimes there's, there's properties that aren't being actively marketed that could be available, um, sublease situations, et cetera. So we'll, we'll run all that down. And then once we have, uh, you know, five, six, seven properties that make sense, we'll go out and tour those with the doctor, get some eyes on them, get inside them. Sometimes we're bringing a contractor at that point. Uh, and then we'll negotiate on the top maybe three spots and leverage them all against each other and create that uh, competition for your business. You talk about for a moment why, why that's important to, to, to have a few properties in play if, if, if possible. Yeah, so I mean the property, it, it's important to have several going at one time. One, to create pressure and leverage so the landlord knows that your business could go elsewhere very easily. Number two, things could fall through. Um, you know, somebody could come in and offer more than you're willing to pay and then that property goes away. So, you know, it's a, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. So. It's good to have uh, multiple options going at, at the same time. And, um, and then once we get to that stage, we'll submit LOIs, we'll negotiate back and forth, we'll get estimates from the contractors who are gonna be looking at this place, and, uh, and then get a, get a final decision and get it into the lease stage. Right, so you gotta sign, you know, t typically the parties will sign the letter of intent or the LOI, right? Correct. And then we end up and uh, get the lease, and that's when it ends up in, in my office uh, all yeah. the times. One piece of the puzzle I'm just curious is, uh, the dentists they're reaching out to you, you're helping them, sounding to the contractors, how do they know the area that they're in might be a good one for a startup or not? How do the doctors know that? Doctors know, yeah, the dentists. Like, the dentists themselves. Like, let's say I want to live in South Jersey because that's where I want to raise my family, but I want to start up. Is there a way for me to know, okay, you're finding a place where this would be a good place for a dentist to do a startup? Yeah. Um, some guys are working with consultants. Uh, and they'll have that information. Um, CoStar, you can run traffic counts, you can run income, household income, you know, how many population profiles, how many children per household, that sort of stuff. But we do not have dentists to population ratios. Okay. Um, but, you know, there, there are companies out there that, that serve that need, like Dentographics. And so they come in at a certain point as part of the puzzle. Yeah, a lot I of times you. we'll have contacted them ahead of time and they'll have targeted specifically certain areas. Well, you know, a, a pedo dentist should go here because the saturation rate is X. And, gotcha. You know, and there's X amount of general dentists in this particular area, and et cetera, et cetera. So there's ways to get that uh, sorted out before you go out and find it. And that Thanks. stuff's important, too. Yeah. You know, um, we, uh, we see a lot of times clients that sort of shortcut that process. And, it, you know, and really, I'll say, sometimes it never amazes, it never ceases to amaze me that 
you know, people will try to save money and cut corners where they do. You know, people don't want to pay for a demographic study. Yes. And, you know, they'll say, like, well, I saw this great office. Uh, it's uh, right next to uh, a, uh, a Dunkin' Donuts on this busy intersection. Mm. That's great, yeah. you know. How many dentists are within uh, a couple of miles of there? I don't know. How many people live around there? I don't know, but it's next to a Dunkin' Donuts. Right, like, yeah. You know, and it's funny. Stephen Trotter at Ideal Practices says this, and it, it still makes me laugh. I've, I've heard say this a couple of times. You know, he, you'll drive by, you know, and and say, you know, if he's, he has children, you know, his kids want McDonald's. You know, they'll drive by McDonald's. They'll say, hey, let's go into McDonald's. He's never driven by an office and said, I'd really like to go get a crown today. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 I was <laughs> right. thinking that. It's a great, great comment. Because I was, you know, Dennis will put themselves into this mindset of a human being that doesn't exist. And that's great because, you know, it's like, no, you know, no one usually chooses a dentist that way. And if they did, that would be even extra odd. So yeah. his point is very funny and true. So It's kind of like my too. business. If somebody comes walking in the front door here and they want <laughs> yeah. me to start looking at a lease, <laughs> yeah. like I'm hiding under yeah. the desk. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Amy, I'm not here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? right, exactly. Yeah, right. that's true. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Jamie Amos says this all the time, but I mean, pretty towns are, are tougher. Some people have this concept where they, you know, they want to live in Chestnut Hill or Doylestown or Westchester and, and pat, a, you know, a lab on the head on the way to, to work yeah. and, and go to Starbucks. But you're probably not the first guy that had that idea. Yeah, right. You know? exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So the saturation level might be such that, you know, you're going to be cannibalizing your own income. And if you went someplace that maybe you had a drive to, well, maybe your income's going to be significantly yeah, higher. Point. So uh, you can live in the pretty towns, but maybe you should practice somewhere where it makes sense financially. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This is all good stuff. Uh, Brian, thanks so much for, uh, for taking the time. Uh, it's good to have uh, an amigo that we work with uh, often in, in the house. Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, I great appreciate it. learned a lot. Thanks so much. All right. And uh, Brian, how can uh, people contact you? So people can contact me directly, uh, 215-696-9499 is my phone number, um, brian.madden, that's B-R-I-A-N dot M-A-D-D-E-N at carrhr.com, and our website is www.carrhr.com. And CAR, again, represents uh, docs uh, around the country. Around the country, yeah. It's based, uh, it was founded in, in Denver, and uh, we're, I believe, in 38 states at this point, so... Uh, if you have a need, we can help you. Great. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Thanks again, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.